Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. The context of the book of Philemon, we have Paul, who is a prisoner, writing a letter to a friend, a beloved brother of his named Philemon. He addresses not only Philemon, but addresses Philemon's wife, addresses Philemon's son, and he addresses the church that is meeting in the house of Philemon. He does all this. He basically introduces a thankfulness to Philemon, telling Philemon that he is thankful that he has been hearing what he's been hearing from Philemon and from his house. He tells him that I am seeing and hearing of the working of God in you. And we did all of this and we saw all of this so that we could preface what we are going to be getting into this evening. Because what had happened was one of Philemon's servants, one of his slaves, had left his house and found himself in Rome. And in finding himself in Rome, he found, whether by accident or on purpose, he found the Apostle Paul. And in finding the Apostle Paul, Christ found Onesimus. So Onesimus has come to Christ, and Paul is now going to intercede on the behalf of Onesimus to Philemon. We looked last week on the source, or I'm sorry, that we looked at last week on the basis of reconciliation. This week we'll be looking at the source of reconciliation. If you remember back, we saw in verses 5, 6, and 7 specifically that the source, the beginnings of of Paul's reclin, reclin, reconciliation, his, his, the beginning of him explaining this or, or conveying this to Philemon was his union with Christ. And we understood that it is only through our union with Christ that anything in us is produced. Paul tells Philemon in verse number 6 that he has heard of his love toward all the saints and that he is praying that the communication of his faith would be effectual, that it would be something that worked, that his faith coming out of him would be shown in love, and that love would be something that was working. And again, we saw there in verse number 6 that that faith was produced by Philemon's union with Christ. And it's the same way with us. If we are unified with Christ, we will be seeing the workings of the Spirit made evident in our life by that union. Not something that we're able to work up in ourselves, but it is the fruit of the Spirit that is working the effects of the Spirit out because we have been unified with Christ. We looked at some John chapter 15 where Christ said, without me, you can do nothing. He said that if you are in him and he is you, that you are part of this true vine that he's telling the disciples about and that fruit would be produced. So the disciples were given that promise and we have that same promise that when we're unified with Christ, that it is the basis of everything that happens including the reconciliation that Paul is going to call Philemon to. 
So we have the basis of that reconciliation. But in verse number 8 through verse number 16, we're going to look at the source of that reconciliation. So we have the basis for reconciliation, but we want to see what it is that is going to outflow from Philemon that is going to be the source, what is going to be what motivates that reconciliation in Philemon. In verse number 8, Paul writes to Philemon, he says, Wherefore, so because of everything that I have just said about your union with Christ, about seeing the love that you have toward the saints, about my prayer that it will be effectual, wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ, I enjure thee that thou which is convenient. Yet for love's sake... I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might minister unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thou benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly." For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a beloved brother, specially to me. But how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So Paul here, he's doing a couple of things. He is making an appeal for Onesimus, but even in making an appeal for Onesimus, Paul is making intercession for Onesimus. Paul is going before Onesimus. As Onesimus is returning to Philemon, he's going before him and he is interceding on behalf of him by means of this letter. We'll get into some of this as we continue down through this text, but Paul was not only a prisoner but he was old. And he says so much. Roughly, best we can tell, Paul was in his 60s at this point. And I know that now 60 is like the new 40, but then I think 60 was like the new 90. Paul was old. Paul couldn't get around like he once could. And on top of that, he was a prisoner. So his mobility wasn't great. He may have had a hover around anyway, but his hover around was locked and he couldn't go anywhere. So he's sending a letter to Philemon on behalf of him. And he does a couple of things in this. Paul begins by acknowledging Philemon and his relationship with Philemon and appealing to Philemon. And we can see that in verses 8 and 9. Paul kind of undercuts, in a way, the way that he is explaining things to Philemon by not necessarily telling him you have to do something, 
but saying in love, there's something that you need to understand. He says in verse number eight, wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ, I enjoy thee that which is convenient. Yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. What Paul is basically saying here, he said, I could, because I am bold in Christ, I could enjoy you to do something. That word enjoy means to command. He's saying, because of my apostolic authority, I could say something to you, commanding you to do something because it would be convenient for me. It would be a good thing for me. And we'll understand what he's saying again as we move down through these verses. But Paul is saying, I could say this to you in a way that is a commanding way, a compulsory way. But in verse number nine, he says, yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the age, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Instead of commanding Philemon to do something, Paul appeals to Philemon. He says, I beseech thee, he says, I'm, I'm begging you, I'm asking you intently that you do something for me. And specifically for the sake of your love for me and the sake of your love for the gospel. He appealed for love's stake instead of making a command. And again, Paul had the right under the surface to command Philemon to do this. But he did this appeal in love. If you look over in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, you'll see Paul making statements where there was no appeal for anyone to do anything. He said, do this and do this now. But there are times in our lives, and there is a time that came for Paul when a loving appeal was better than an authoritative command. Paul, again, Paul wasn't hesitant to make these kinds of commands when the situation led him to need to do this. But Paul was appealing to the love that he had just talked about in Philemon. And again, if you look back up in verses 5, 6, and 7, you can see he has been appealing and talking about the love that is in Philemon, and he appeals to that love. He says, I know what I've heard. I know what I have seen in you, and because of that, that's why I'm asking you to do this. Verse number 10, we can understand and we can grab hold of the significance on why he would rather appeal to the love of Philemon instead of commanding him to do something. Verse 9 says, For love's sake, rather, I beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the aged and also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Verse number 10, he said, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, who have, I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now is profitable to thee and to me. Again, Paul is basically saying to Philemon, before I tell you what I need, I need you to remember some things. Number one, I need you to remember that you love me and that you love the gospel. Number two, I need you to remember that I am an old man and I'm a prisoner and I need help. 
And in a sense, Paul almost says to Philemon, not only do I need help, but you could be here helping me. So what I'm going to ask you is that you send Onesimus back to me because Onesimus is helping me. And in helping me, he's helping me and he's helping you and he's helping the furtherance of the gospel. So he is showing this this dynamic that has come in between all of these men and how God is using them all to produce in them works of sanctification and outside of them works of the gospel. Paul, he's asking for the help of Onesimus. And he does this not only by appealing to the love of Philemon, but he points out a transformation in Onesimus. Verse 10, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. Paul says, I need to tell you something about this guy. Yes, he did run away from you. He did leave you. He did run to Rome. But Christ found him in Rome. He says, I have begotten in my bonds. Paul is saying, I have literally led Onesimus to Christ myself. Just as from best we can tell, Philemon was led to Christ by Paul. He says, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now is profitable to thee and to me. Verse 12, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own vows. It's interesting to note that the name Onesimus actually means profitable or useful. Paul is kind of using a play on words here. He says, Onesimus, who was useful to thee, but became unuseful to thee, is now useful to thee and to me. He said, where he was unuseful to you altogether, he's now even more useful than he was to begin with. In a sense, Onesimus can live up to his name now. He's been brought into a state where he can actually be useful and profitable in multiple ways. And yet history even tells us that Onesimus will go on to pastor the church at Ephesus. He will become useful in even more ways. But Paul is appealing to Philemon that he bring Onesimus back into him. What we can see here is... The gospel. Because rather than trying to convince Philemon against his will, Paul is appealing to him from, with something that is outside of Philemon. And in the same way, the gospel does that. Something that is outside of us transforms the inside of us. As People who were once enemies of God, we have been transformed into peacemakers by the reconciling power of the gospel. And Paul's goal is to express this goodness that has happened in the life of Onesimus and appeal to that same goodness out of Philemon. Paul is saying just in the same way that God was good to you in bringing you to himself, Paul says, Onesimus has seen that same goodness of God. 
So I want that goodness to be reflected in you just like it was reflected to you. You see how that ties in again to some of the other books that we've even been going through, some of the other topics that we have covered. That it is looking at the love of God that produces in us love for others. That's what 1 John says. I know we've mentioned that again and again, but he says God loved us. And because he loved us first, we can now love him and have that love shed abroad to others. It gives us the ability to love. So Paul is not only calling and reminding Philemon of his love, but he is reminding him of the love that was shown to him and explaining the love that was shown to him was also shown to Onesimus. That's the reason that Paul, rather than commanding, is appealing to Philemon. If you think to some of the other things that Paul says, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, when Paul is talking about giving, what does he say? He says, don't give because you feel like you have to. Don't give because somebody has told you that you have to. Don't give because of anything other than your desire to do that. Because God loves a cheerful giver. When we are commanded and giving is compulsively pulled out of us, we don't do that in a joyful way. I am not just extremely happy every time I have to send in money for a car payment. I don't do that cheerfully. I do that because I have to. If I didn't have to, I wouldn't do it. As a matter of fact, there have been two vehicles in my life that one, the transmission went out, and the other, the engine went out, and I made payments on them for about a year each while they were sitting in my driveway and couldn't go anywhere. Those were really unjoyful payments to make, but I did them because I had to. Paul isn't coming to Philemon like that, though. Paul is saying to him and appealing to him that he do this cheerfully out of the love that God has put in him. He is calling him to see Onesimus as a brother rather than just a servant. In Philemon, verse number 13 We can see this call played out in the words of Paul. He says, understand or whom I would have retained with me that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. He's saying, I would have rather Onesimus stayed with me and helped me. But because the right thing to do is to send him back to you, The right thing for you to do is to show him love. (laughs) Paul is basically saying to Philemon that I have done the right thing. It wasn't convenient for me. I have done the right thing and sending him back to you. Now, I want you to do the right thing concerning him. And this is what we are all called to do. In Ephesians chapter 4, we read, And be ye kind one to another tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Why? Even as God, 
for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. This was the challenge to Philemon, to forgive Onesimus, to be tender-hearted to him, to be kind toward him, because God, for Christ's sake, had been kind, tender-hearted, and forgave Philemon. And for us, that's how it ought to be played out in us. And again, just as was said this morning, how are we going to be people that are desiring to be reconciled with others if we are not reminded that God has reconciled us to himself? That is at the core of Paul's plea. He's calling to Philemon, saying, I've given you the basis for this reconciliation. You've been connected to Christ. And I want the source of this reconciliation to be your love. But he's emphasizing again what the gospel has done in Onesimus' life and is pointing Philemon to that same event in his life to produce the source of this reconciliation. He is calling Philemon's remembrance to the love of God that reconciled him and is appealing to that to produce reconciliation of Onesimus. Verse number 13, he says, Whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. There's something else at play here. If you look over in the book of Matthew or remember in the book of Matthew, Jesus tells people, he says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there is remembrance that thy brother has aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come again to offer thy gift. See, Paul's mind in all this wasn't just with Philemon. But in order for Onesimus to be profitable in the way that he needed to be, he had to be reconciled with his brother. Onesimus could not bring gifts, so to speak, to the altar of God, having alt, having wronged a brother in Christ. So in amidst all of this, Paul's focus is on Philemon, but in a secondary way, he is reminding Philemon that this has to be done in order for Onesimus to be able to serve in the capacity that he needs to serve. This is necessary for Onesimus to come back to you and to reconcile with you, and I need you to reconcile with him as well. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, we see Paul make this same encouragement to the congregation there. He says, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed uh, unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. 
We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Paul is explaining to the church at Corinth there that the ministry of God, the motive behind what God is doing is reconciliation. And we can all agree that this reconciliation, we find its source in the love of God. And if you don't believe me, I'll help you out. One of the most familiar verses in the scripture says that it was because God loved the world that he sent his son. The love of God produced sending Christ. And it says that because Christ has reconciled us to himself, we have been given the same ministry. The call to us as believers is to be reconcilers. He literally says here in verse number 20 of that same chapter that we are ambassadors for Christ and that we are in his stead calling people to be reconciled to God. Paul says that's the way that God chose to do it. The message of the gospel doesn't make sense that you have been freely given something despite you are an enemy with God. The gospel is good news. It's almost too good to be true. It doesn't make sense. It's foolishness is what Paul says. The preaching of the gospel is foolishness, Paul says. So the way that God does it is foolish to us. The means by which God is telling people is foolishness to us. But Paul tells us that's why God has left us here to give us the ministry to make us ambassadors calling people to be reconciled to God. And how is this better played out in practical means than us reconciling other people? It's going to be difficult for somebody to hear a call of being reconciled to God if they can't get over us not reconciling with them. Yes. Amen. Right. So Paul is pleading with Philemon on the basis of his reconciliation and on the basis of the job that he has been given by God that he restore Onesimus. In verse 14, Paul writes, But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. Paul is explaining to him that I want you to be willing to do this because it would have no benefit to you. If I can say it this way, there is no reward in this for you. There's no good thing in this for you if I am commanding you to do this. He says, I wouldn't do any of this. If I didn't have your mind, if you weren't willing to do this, I wouldn't do any of this. But I'm doing this that you can benefit by doing it willingly. Verse 15, for perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. See, Paul uses here an explanation of the providence of God and the power of reconciliation now, in a sense, Paul, 
he says things a little delicately in that verse. He says, maybe he departed for a season. Now, we all know that Onesimus didn't just go on a trip. He didn't go on vacation. He literally ran away. But Paul is saying it in that way to point out the providence of God. What, again, what is the mission of God? What is he doing? He's reconciling people to himself through Jesus Christ. Paul tells Philemon, it may just be Philemon, that God allowed him to run away from you so that whenever he comes back, he can come back as your brother, not as your servant. It was more beneficial to the plan of God. It was more beneficial to these men that Onesimus be received back forever. That he be received back as a brother. That he have come to Christ amidst all of this. And God, again, through the mouth of Paul is saying, it may just have been that God allowed this sinful action to bring Onesimus to himself. How much more does that weigh on Philemon that he should be reconciling Onesimus? That if God, even through the evil of Onesimus, has brought Onesimus to himself, then Philemon should look at that evil and also bring Onesimus back into himself. Verse 16, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more unto thee, both in flesh and in the Lord? Paul says what has happened to Onesimus is even better than you getting him back. What happened to him is more profitable to you than him just returning. He said because he's not just returning like a servant. He's returning like a beloved brother. And again, do you see what Paul does there? Paul doesn't just say he's returning as a brother. What does he say about Onesimus? A beloved brother. Remember back to what he's appealed to Philemon. He's appealed to the love that God has produced in Philemon, right? So Paul says, this same love that you are shedding abroad, that he makes mention of in verse 6 and 7, that is being shown in the church and in the people around Philemon, this same love ought to now spill out on Onesimus. He's a brother and he's beloved. Paul says, especially to me. This is a a spiritual child of Paul in a sense. Paul has been able to see Onesimus come to Christ. He is most likely been able to disciple Onesimus. He has a lot that is invested in Onesimus. He says, Philemon, I love Onesimus. He is a beloved brother to me. How much more unto thee? You knew him before I knew him. You've known him before I knew him. You will be able to see the change in him that I will never be able to see. You are going to be able to see the effects of the gospel played out in this man in a way that I would have never seen them. How much more should he be seen as a beloved brother? You're going to see the work that God did in him, and it should 
prompt. It should stir up the love that is in you even more. This love that He calls to in verses 5, 6, and 7, it's going to become effectual. It's going to work. And specifically in this case, it's going to work in His reconciliation with Onesimus. As a church, as the people of God living in the 21st century, that is what we are called to do. Most likely, none of us in here have any slaves at home. Maybe some kids, but no slaves. We don't have people who have run away from our ownership of them. But we do have people who have done us wrong. And if you don't, then God bless you. As a matter of fact, there have been people in my own household that I have done wrong today. There are people in my own household that have done me wrong today. And don't hear that and be like, oh, Jeffrey's fighting with his wife again. <laughs> what I'm saying is I've sinned against my wife and she's sinned against me because we are sinners. Yes. And again, if you're not, God bless you. But the call to me today is that this work of reconciliation that Christ has worked into me, worked out of me in every situation. Yes. There is nothing that is too small that this work of reconciliation ought not show itself. There is nothing that is too large that this work of reconciliation ought not prove itself. And what is the source? Because it's not easy to reconcile with other people. It's just not. Especially when the people that you are dealing with are just jerks. It's not easy to reconcile with them. It's hard. It's difficult. How do we do it? If you were to go over to the book of John. John in chapter 14, he tells the disciples in comforting them, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now this wasn't a command. It wasn't a threat. It is future tense will. Jesus was saying to them, look, I know what I've told you to do. And if you look back in the verses previous to that, he's told them to love each other. He said, I know what I've told you to do is going to be hard because I won't be here. But if you love me now, after I'm gone, these commandments will be fulfilled. They will be. It was a promise that these things would happen. How are those things going to happen? Again, the same author tells us, We love because he first loved us. If we are going to reconcile with people around us, it is going to happen by no other way than us looking at the love of God because it is the love of God towards us in that while we were yet sinners that will produce in us a love for other people. There's no other way that it happens. We cannot love the way that we're supposed to love if we do not see the love of Christ. And that was the call of Paul in 2 Corinthians when he said, God has reconciled 
us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciliation. It's what we've been called to do. It's literally our job is to call people to the reconciliation of God. And that's going to play out in our lives, reconciling people with ourselves so that we can point them to the reconciliation that God has made with them. And that's going to happen by looking at the reconciliation that God made with us. No other way. That's God's plan for doing this. Look at the love of God for you. And he's promised that that love for you will produce this ministry of reconciliation in you just like it did in Philemon. Let's pray.